turn with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 36. We'll go from there to Acts chapter 18. I'm going to couple those two chapters to get together uh, for absolutely no rhyme or reason other than they both tie to the thought that God has given me to preach on this morning. ask that you continue to remember uh, Brother Winford when you pray that God will continue to touch and heal his body. Amen. Good to see Sister Helen with us. We're praying for her. Good to see Brother Eddie with us this morning. Praying for him as well. Exodus chapter 36. We begin reading with verse number 2. Moses called Bezalel and Aliyah and every wise-hearted man in whom or in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all and they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Amen. Then in Acts 18 and verse number 4, He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. He departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. He continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. I want to preach to you on this thought more than enough. More than enough. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to be able to express and expound upon what you 
spoken to my heart, God, in prayer for this service today. God, as I pondered the work that you've wrought right here on these grounds over the last 21 years, the people, Lord, that you provided, God, the, the blessing, the finance, the ministry, oh God, that you funded, the work that's been wrought, the cause of what's been given, not just here but around the world, oh God, the lives that have been impacted. You've always been enough, Lord, and you've been much more than enough for us to fulfill and to do the work that you've called us to do. And you'll continue to be that right up until the day that you call us home. God, help us in these last days. They're going to be tumultuous, trying. And God, what the Apostle Paul described as fearful days, God, that will come upon the face of the earth. Help us to remember what we hear preached this morning. God, that in whatever we face in these last days, these perilous times that are now upon us, that you will be more than enough for us to do what you've called us to do. We ask your blessing upon the remainder of this service in Jesus' mighty name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Moses called Bezalel and Aliyah and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. When God moved upon the heart of Moses to establish the tabernacle, in the wilderness, even though it was made of goat skin, everybody had to furnish a goat, and some more than one. Then the work had to go in. Those goat skins were dyed, the Bible said, red. And if you can imagine the size of that tabernacle, the amount of skins that it took, to sew all them together, dye them all red, and then that's what the tabernacle was. It was a it was a skin tent. And I've often thought of you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we are. We're the skin tent of God. He 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 told them to die that goat skin in uh, red dye is almost symbolic of the blood yeah. you and I have been covered, yeah. washed, cleansed, Hallelujah. sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. That's where for the duration of their wilderness wandering, that's where God chose to abide was in that tabernacle, all the work that was to go into it. You had the, you had the veil. Every, all the work that had to be provided to, to make that veil. You had, you had uh, tapestries within the holy place. Every instrument had to be overlaid 
in gold or in silver. Here's, here's the catch. You've got two million plus people that for over 400 years had lived as slaves. I mean, they lived dirt poor, pinching pennies, uh, eating the crumbs that, that fell from somebody's table. But when God delivered them, when God brought them out, the Bible said that they spoiled the Egyptians. And the Egyptians gave them gold and silver and garments. And what God was saying, that's, that's due just wages for over 400 years of free labor. I'm telling you, God's a just God. <laughs> he sees the work that's been done. When I tell you heaven's going to be worth the journey when you get there. Your labor will not have been in vain in the Lord. He spoiled the Egyptians and they carried out all that they could carry in gold and silver in tapestries and garments and all of that stuff and God had enough foresight that when I require a work of you I will have provided more than enough. That whatever God asks us to do, he has given or will give us more than enough for us to do what he's asked us to do. The Bible said he stirred up the hearts of men and women to do the work. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the saints where to make it with all. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. People brought every day to give to the work. And there came a day when the men said, we've got enough. We're, we have completed the sanctuary. You can tell the people that they can stop bringing because we have enough and the work is finished and the work is done. I want to tell you, one day we'll have, we will have taken the last off. One day we will have built the last church. One day all the work that can be done will have been done. <coughs> but I, I, I just thought about so much of the work that's been done. I, I often tell this story, and I, I tell it now with laughing. I share it now from a joyful heart, but there was a day when it was, it was a scary thing, but it was a Sunday morning, and I would, I would always go and pick Sister Barbara Williams up, bring her to church, and then take her back to her apartment out on the east side of Foley and a little apartment complex there for senior retired. She was the last one here and I was turning everything off and she said, Pastor, are you sure we're in the will of God starting this church? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, what makes you ask that? She said, only two, only two reasons. We don't have no people. We don't have no money. 
I said, I remind God of those same two reasons every Sunday. You, you think, though, when God calls you to start a work or to do a work, is there going to be enough? Are we going to have enough people to do the work? Is there going to be enough money to do the work? And if you borrow the money, is there going to be enough money to make the note on the money you borrow so that they don't come get the church from? All those are things that cross your mind through the years, and I I remember when we were from that pillar there back, we had to buy all the lumber. A lot of studs wrapped all the way around this. We had to buy all the lumber, we had to buy the sheetrock, buy the mud, all that stuff. The electrical, you know, that went in before all of that. We're buying, buying, buying. We're having work days. We're working, 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 and doing, 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 and going, man. You call a work day get a bunch of guys here and see how much you can get done and that's that much more that got done in, in that week and Sister Diane came to me and she said I made a mistake in the books I said yeah she said I'm so sorry I said what's wrong she said don't buy nothing else I said, how bad is it? She said, we got about $200 left in the, in the account. She started crying. She said, we don't, have, we don't have enough there to even, you know, give you a salary this week. I said, you don't have to worry about that. It'll be fine. It's all right. I said, God will, God will provide. He'll take care of it. And uh, anyway, we finished out the work day. We, we got a lot accomplished. Everybody left. And I went in went in my office and put my head down on my desk. And I cried. I said, Lord, what are we going to do? I mean, living. You don't even want to live as a, as a husband from paycheck to paycheck. I, I mean... You, you, that's no way for nobody to live. And I said, Lord, it seems as though we're just surviving as a church week to week. And I said, I know there's all this work to do. We got it to do, and you called us to do it, and I got to trust you for it. I said, Lord, why has it got to be so hard? Can't you help us? <laughs> I used to always think, Lord, there's... There's a millionaire out there somewhere that it just wouldn't even be a dime in the bucket for him to come by here and just write a check. All this will be done, be over with. I've looked backwards on the years that if God would have done it that way, I wouldn't have appreciated. I wouldn't have gave. I wouldn't have gave him the the glory that was truly due his name. And. Uh, well, I preached the next morning. Don't remember what I preached, but I preached the next morning. That that next morning was a Sunday morning. I preached. And it was just a normal Sunday morning. We had a scattered few here. Brother Homer was waiting on me after church was over, and he said, "Brother, anybody might tell you what the offering was today." I want to take a deep breath and say. 
Well, undoubtedly, it's going to be lower than it's ever been before. <laughs> I said, no, sir. He said, why don't you take a guess? And I said, uh, $1,500. He said, no, it's higher than that. I said, 2000 That would have been a good Sunday for us then. He said, no, sir, higher than that. I was like, wow, 3000 He said, no, sir, higher than that. I kept guessing. He kept saying higher. Finally, I said, man, you're killing me. We need to know. He said, $10,000. I said, what in the world happened? And, uh, she probably don't mind me saying, but Sister Mary's sister had passed. And left her with inheritance. And I think it was that morning she wrote a $9,000 check and put, paid her tithe in there. You say, what's so significant about that? Is because over the last 21 years, anytime I've ever feared, anytime a doubt has ever entered my mind, God has taken me back to that Sunday morning. And he said, I've always been more than enough. And I always will be more than enough. How? Through people's hearts that he stirs up to do the work or give to the work. He's always been more than enough. So many stories like that have intertwined over 21 years. That was just the first one that God really proved himself. To me, I, I, we went from two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. The other part, she said, we don't have enough to pay your salary tomorrow. She said, but the the note on the building is due next week as well. And I don't have enough to pay that and more. I I, I could I told the Lord I go get a job. I, I'm not worried about the salary part, but but don't let it be said of this church that we didn't pay our bills. And, uh, man, when, when that offering came in and I, and I knew that God had, had done it, so many times I've, I've gone back to that Sunday morning and said, Lord, you're more than enough. You, you, you're going to do it some way, somehow, through somebody. You're more than enough. And then I was reading Acts chapter 18 last night and how I coupled this passage with the passage of Moses and the children of Israel is we really find the Apostle Paul in the same predicament that Moses found himself in. Paul is called to <coughs> build, establish, found, lead, fund, the Gentile church. He's the apostle called unto the Gentiles. You and I. And in Acts 18 and verse 4, you see the beginning of his ministry. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. He is still trying his hardest with all of his heart, soul, strength, and might 
He is trying to persuade his brethren, the Jews. He was raised a Pharisee. He wanted more than anything for them to see what he had saw, to believe on Jesus like he had believed. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks when Silas and Timotheus would come from Macedonia. Paul was pressed in the spirit, testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah. Pressed in the spirit to preach to his brethren that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, do you know that to reject the gospel is to oppose your own self? Is to deny your own self the benefit that God has laid up for you in Christ. When they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment, said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined heart to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. He was in the city of Corinth where this was taking place. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision and said, Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. He continued there a year and six months. Eighteen months he preached in the city of Corinth teaching the word of God among them. In those days, most of the goods traveling from the east to the west had to pass through Corinth. The cargo would be brought from the east over the Aegean Sea to, to the city of Corinth and there would be unloaded, transported over land to the Adriatic Sea where it was then loaded on the ship going to Rome. They were uh, then able to save traveling hundreds of extra miles around the dangerous Cape Malaya and back up to Rome. Corinth was a major through fair city. Everything you could imagine was in Corinth. No wonder God sent the Apostle Paul there to win as many people from as many places, all in one place. The morals of Corinth were the lowest of anywhere on earth. In dramas, plays of their time that were given, if ever, if ever, ever a Corinthian was shown or depicted, he was always shown as drunk because it was a drunken city. When they sought to describe a man who was given over to utter debauchery, they would say, he or she lives like a Corinthian. On the Acropolis above the city, 
to the present day, there are remains of the once great temple to Aphrodite. She was the goddess of sensual pleasure. Every night in the city of Corinth, in this temple to Aphrodite, a thousand priestesses of Aphrodite would come down into Corinth and by prostitution earn money for the upkeep of the temple. Every single night, 1,000 prostitutes would line the corridors of that temple and perform every act of debauchery known to man all in honor of their god, Aphrodite. Not a likely spot to consider for evangelism. Yet we find Paul each Sabbath day in the synagogue testifying to the people that Jesus was the Messiah. As in every place where Paul carried the gospel, trouble was stirred up against him by unbelieving Jews. Paul had been beaten or beaten, imprisoned, and forced to leave Philippi. <coughs> they then had to sneak him out of Thessalonica by night. He was driven out of Berea by unbelievers. Now all of these were pretty peaceful and civil towns, but now he's here in Corinth, a very rough, a very dangerous, and a very wicked city, and he no doubt wondered, well, if I was beaten, imprisoned in Philippi, if I barely escaped Thessalonica, and if I was run out of Berea, no doubt this is where God has most likely sent me to die here in Corinth. A rough and a wicked city, and no doubt he is wondering his fate at the hand of the Jews who have risen up against him once again. The Bible said that the Lord appeared under Paul by a vision in the night when the Lord spake to Paul and told him to fear not but preach. Preach and don't stop preaching because nobody is going to lay a hand on you to hurt you. Then he said, for I have much people in this city. It's amazing to me. Here's a man that hasn't yet established the church. It's almost like God is prophesying to him, I'm going to win more people in this city than you could ever possibly imagine. You don't be afraid to preach what I tell you to preach. You don't worry about what they're going to do to you. Because I'm going to win a lot of people to the, by the gospel in this place. This is one of the many recorded night visions where the Lord spoke to Paul. His call to go into Macedonia was in a night vision. Once again, when he was in jail in Jerusalem, again, when 
He was on the ship going to Rome in a fierce storm. And all hope for their survival had been given up upon. Before they landed upon Melita, God spoke to him there in a night vision. The vision here was intended again to comfort Paul. The Lord said, be not afraid. And you don't tell a person, be not afraid, unless they're afraid. I know you don't get the vision of the Apostle Paul being afraid in your mind because I didn't get that vision. But when I read this text, the Lord said to me, you don't tell a man, don't be afraid, unless he's afraid. The Apostle Paul was just as afraid to go on some assignments as you were. He was just as afraid to preach to certain groups of people as you would have been. There were some cities he was just as afraid to go into as you would have been. He was as concerned about his fate as you would have been. I don't want to just sign up to be a martyr. To just sign up. I'd love to be beat to death today. I'd love for somebody to shoot me and make me a martyr. Those are things you just don't, you know, sign up for. Not if you're a dad. Not if you're a husband. Not if you're a poppy. Not if you're a pastor. Because you got people that count on you. God told him, don't be afraid. Here's why. Because he was afraid. And he had good reason to be afraid. His reception in Europe, that continent, hadn't been very friendly at all. And Corinth was worse than, than all of them. Two of the other times when Jesus spoke to Paul in night visions were to encourage him. When he was in prison in Jerusalem after the great disappointment of having his witness rejected. When they had been at sea in a storm for 14 days, had despaired of their lives. Again, the Lord told him, fear not. When we read of all of his great exploits of preaching the gospel, we're prone to think of the apostle in superhuman terminology. But he was a man with emotions just like you and I. He had his fear just like we have ours. And the Lord said, speak and hold not your peace. It's possible that he was considering, I'm going to ease out of this wicked city. I done been beat enough. I done been stoned one too many times. I got enough stripes on my back. I've seen enough prisons to last me for a lifetime. I think I'm going to ease out of here while the getting is good. And God came to him in a night vision. I said, don't be afraid. I want you to preach, and I don't want you to hold back because I'm going to win a lot of people in this place. Again, the Jews were stirring up trouble and in a heavy confrontation with them. He turned from them in dramatic fashion and declared his intention that from henceforth I'll, I'll preach to the Gentiles. I can understand if Paul is getting a little gun shy at this point, 
Do you remember the prophet Jeremiah who after his imprisonment for sharing the word of God with, with God's people declared that he was determined not to speak for the Lord again. He said, but the word of the Lord was like fire in my bones. He said, I became weary of trying to hold it back. So I preached. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he declared that it was the love of God that constrained him to preach. He said, the love of Christ constrains us to preach. He stayed with them 18 months. And what he meant was, I was looking to make tracks and get out of here. But the reason I can't leave is the love of God has constrained me to stay in this place and preach. Amen. He reasoned that if one died for all, then all were dead who lived in their sin. But he died for us. That we should no longer live for ourselves, but that we should live for him. Here's the cure of Paul's fear and of ours. He said, be not afraid. I am with you. What if that's all we got in these last perilous days left upon the earth? What if that's all we get if we wake up in the morning and it looks like World War III is breaking out? If we can't help Israel because the millions plus that has been allowed to cross that southern border for the last two and a half years, what if we're going through 9-11 all over again? What if we can't help them? What if what if things spin and spiral and it looks like utter chaos and fear sets in? What if all you got is a fear not? I am with you. What a great comfort it is to know that the Lord is with us. Do you know that that's what Jesus' name is? Emmanuel. The Lord with us. Writing to the Romans, Paul said, If God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the one who came to earth, to the earth and died for our sins, is there in the night encouraging Paul not to fear, to speak out boldly, for he was not alone, the Lord. Jesus Christ is with him. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of my righteousness. We are going through uncertain times. Fear does try to grip our minds. And as you seek the Lord and commit your life and your circumstance and your trouble and your trial to him, I can hear him say to me in this hour, don't you be afraid to do what I've called you to do because I'm with you. You can say with David, the Lord is on my side and I will not fear what man can do unto me. You can as David can confidently face the giants of this hour. 
and declare you come against me with sword Hallelujah. and with shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. The Lord assured Paul that no man would ever lay a hand on him to hurt him. The Lord promised to protect Paul from hurt in Corinth. He had already been stoned in Lystra, beaten in Philippi, but here Jesus said, that ain't happening here. Not this time. I am going to give revival to this city. He said, I have much people in this city. Why would the Lord allow men to hurt him in other places, yet protect him here? It's one of the many times when we have to trust our lives over to the wisdom of the Lord. Paul had to escape from other places, but here he's told, you stay here until I tell you to leave. The Lord told him, I have much people in this city, a pagan, idolatrous city with millions of people who needed the Lord. We, using our natural wisdom, would probably never have considered preaching the gospel in Corinth. Had the experts in church growth gone into Corinth to make a demographic study of the community to determine if a church should be planted there, they would probably have concluded you can't build a church where one of the seven wonders of the world is built to a pagan deity that lines the hallways with a thousand prostitutes every night. You ain't going to be able to have a successful Pentecostal church in that city, but Jesus said, that's the very place I want a church. I want to tell you, Foley was not my pick. I've always told the Lord, I belong up in the sticks. I belong in the woods, in the country somewhere. Pastoring a little band of country people at a little country church. That's, that would fit me just fine. The Lord said to me, if I can't send you there, then recommend to me somebody who I can send because I have a lot of people there that I want to save. I said, I hear what you're saying, Lord. I'll go. Listen, you think of Foley, you think of the outlet malls. You think of Foley, you think of Lambert's where they throw the rolls at you. You think of Foley, you think it's a stop on the way to the beach. What people don't think of when they think of Foley is Pentecost. But God said, that's where I want a church. Don't you be afraid to preach. Don't you hold back. Don't you let the devil put fear or intimidation in you. You don't hold back because I'm going to do a great work in this city. I have much people in this city. I'm going to let you see a move of God in this city. I'm going to win souls in this city. He stayed there for 18 months. God said to me last night, you've stayed here for 21 years for no other reason than I've been with you. I've been with you. He said, every need that has a rose, 
every trouble that's ever came against you, every devil that's tried to kill you, I've always been more than enough. I'll remain that. I'll always be more than enough. I want to tell you this morning what he's been to me. He's been to every one of you. Hallelujah. You're right here today because our Lord has been with you. And in every trouble and in every circumstance and in every trial, he's been more than enough. While Kirsten comes this morning, many are able. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, I thank you so much for the testimony of your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, without you, where would I be? I'd be lost. Most likely, I'd already be in hell. But God, so many, so many years ago, going all the way back, to the beginning, Lord, we've read the story of Moses and the children of Israel. We, we read the Apostle Paul, believers in Corinth, that answered the call of God. And God, we're here this morning Hallelujah. because of your everlasting goodness. This everlasting gospel for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. So many before me, Lord, sacrificed. So many before me, Lord, went and preached. They received very little favor. They could have chose to do anything else with their lives, but they gave their lives. They gave of their finance. They gave of their of themselves, of their families to establish churches, Lord, and because of them, we're here. And because, oh God, that men and women yet today continue to sacrifice, continue to believe that you are indeed with us and that you're more than enough for us to do the work that you've called us and enabled us to do, that should you tarry your coming, There'll be a church here when we're gone. There'll be much people in this city that know Jesus and that love God. God, I ask you if there's one here this morning that's not born again, needs to be saved, that you would grip their heart. They would call upon the name of Jesus and be forever saved. I pray, Lord, if there's one here this morning that needs healing in their body, that with your stripes we are healed, and you would deliver and set free and make whole from the bondage of infirmity and sickness and disease, all that you would deliver today. I pray that we'd all leave full of the Holy Ghost, on fire of God, with the faith in our heart that you are more than enough us to do what you called us to do, to be faithful unto death, that you might give us a crown of life. Hallelujah.
many of you meet me in the altar this morning, you would thank him. If you could do nothing else but just thank him, Lord, you've always been more than enough for my every need, for my every trial, for my every trouble. Let's spend a while praying. We'll pray over the food after we pray for a little while, but let's spend a while thanking him, praising him for always being more than enough.